Gaming MBS episode 248 being recorded Sunday, June 23rd, 2019. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Glad everybody's here. How you doing, Sean? Doing all right. How was the weekend for you so far? It's almost over, but how was it? Yeah, it was okay. A little short. Watched some uh, Women's World Cup, which was cool. Very cool. How was your weekend, Brett? I went down to Schaumburg area, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, and I hung out with VC Young and uh, his pack of friends. And I ran my uh, Kickstarter backer game for him for the Streets of Avalon. So that was a lot of fun. Wow. Really good group. Very good group. It was, I was the old man at the table. I'm like, oh, my God, I am I am getting older. <laughs> but it was a really good group. We had one, two, three, four, five players. And it was a lot, a lot of fun. I had a really good time with it. The question everybody wants to know is. Did anybody die? Did you kill anybody? No, I came really close. Three of them were at like one hit point, but I just could not. <sighs> They're playing smart. I just and my dice were cold, and I wasn't able to smack anybody down. I get that. I, I feel get that. I, I am. I do feel disappointed. I, On the upside, know. they took me to um, last night for dinner. We went to a place called Kuma's Corner, which is a heavy metal burger bar. That place is fucking awesome. I'm not like talking Kiss, you know, or anything like that. We're talking. Slayer, Lamb of God, um, death metal, all that stuff. It was Whoa. sounds heavy. It was intense. the uh, The sign over the uh, over the uh, sinks in the men's bathroom reads: en- "Employees must carve Slayer into their forearms before returning to work." <laughs> I think I went to school with the guy that owns that place. That <laughs> thing was just fucking awesome. That place was rocking. It was a blast. So it was a really good time, and uh, that was a good group of guys and uh, ladies to run for. So I would be happy to run any game for those guys. They were a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. And VC is just, he's a good host. He's a lot of, good guy to hang out with. So Actually, it's because of VC, we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about later today. But we'll get to that later on. Oh, my goodness. You didn't do any gaming this weekend, did you? No gaming this weekend. All right. Well, speaking of, though, did you get your game hole badge yet? Did you order yours? I got my badge. I got to get mine ordered. Okay. Submitted one event. Which one? The deal. The deal. Aren't you also doing the deal? No, the deal. And I thought you're also doing the um, Gatsby in a Great Race. I am doing that, but I'm leaving that up to Corey Welch to put my info in for that one. Okay, so Welch is the mastermind behind it. You're just gonna assist. Just gonna not like that's. I mean, there's a lot of work in there, but you're gonna be involved in that. But you're doing Cold Shadows, is what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, yeah. I have to submit that one. I haven't submitted the Cold Shadows one. What's the deal then? I about have, the deal. I have to. Oh, the deal. Yeah. What is that? That's Todd Crapper's Kickstarter. I backed. Oh, there we go. There Broken, we go. Broken. You will know him as Broken Ruler Games. Exactly. Very cool. Four person LARP. My first LARP. I'm breaking my LARP code. Man. So people, when they say, hey, Sean, you, you going... dress up and act out and all this, and I go, no, no, I don't LARP. And now you have to say, yes, I do and sometimes. And now, after, uh, after Game Hole, kind of have to say, yeah, I LARP. See, I feel like I feel like you and I hanging out for these four years and going to cons together, you've kind of broadened you out a little bit. You're getting into horror games. I am. A little bit of LARP stuff going on. Yeah. This is good for you, Sean. I like, I like the new you. 
Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling fresh. Feeling fresh. <laughs> feeling fresh. Unlike awesome. my underwear. But unlike my, your underwear. I am, I am feeling fresh. One one uh just would get give her one hurdle at a time. So it, it'll be interesting because I've never ran a LARP and I've never played in a LARP. We can so, always yeah. reach out to uh, Mr. Todd Crapper and ask for advice. I did because I said, hey, man, you says it's four players. I submitted my game as four openings. So Is that I, four including right. Game Master or four without Game Master? There is no Game Master Oh, so you're going to, oh, all right, how are you going to do this then? So I'm just going to be a silent, the silent dealer. So I will deal cards because it's a LARP that takes place during a poker game. Got it. So you can kind of help. If nothing else, you know the rules. I do. Someone has a rules question. They can do out of character discussion with you potentially. not a lot of rules. I'm just saying though, but you never know. Someone's going to ask because... If they're new to it, you're new to it. You've somebody having you there. Yeah, I get it. Okay, cool. Make sure it goes well. Nice, nice. The mature audiences only, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I'll send AJ. No, he's more he's more mature than half half of my well, gamers. Well, that may be, but oh, but you oh, you're talking about topics, more adult style topics, pretend in the game. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a game of not so nice people. Ah, okay, yes, that's different then. We're not yeah. talking about my 10-year-old wanting to kill the bad guy and gut them open and get the key that they swallowed. No. We're talking about people that Tarantino are... movie. Ah, yes. A little much for them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Next year, when he turns 14. Right. Sure. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait a little sure. bit. Get yeah. him in there. Hey, man, you're riding this uh, Father's Day thing a little bit too, too, <laughs> too long, I think. All right. Uh, let's see here. What else have we got? Evercon.org. It's going to be our 20th anniversary. We've talked about that before. Go to evercon.org. Oh, in case you didn't happen to remember, gameholecon.com for the other thing that we were just talking about. So, again, if you're going to go, if you're going to come looking to run a game, you'd like to run under our banner, let us know. That would be great. Um, let's see here. Awesome Dice. We're still doing that. So, this is the last month you sign up for our um, newsletter uh, at gamingnbs.com. And we'll get you in a drawing for a free set of dice by the end of this month. AwesomeDice.com is where you buy your dice and you use the, the code GAMINGBS at the checkout and you get 15% off any $10 or more order. Order over $10, sorry, $10 over order. And maybe win that set of dice, so that is really cool. And in Kickstarter news, speaking of what I just did with VC down there, where the print, on, the print stuff is going well, filling the guys... Um, had we, as usual, when you when you're going through print runs and stuff with it's print on demand, with uh, with drive through. So we Phil sent some documents in. They got rejected. They make a couple changes to it. Normal process, but everything is moving along as planned. Looking really good. And all of our backer um, backers have the the PDF that they were going to get that, and the um, the stretch goals are coming along quite nicely as well. So very happy. You got anything else, Sean? No. Let's go into random encounter. Random encounter. All right. Who you wants st- to start? You. I just talked too much there. You go. Peter writes us uh, about small groups. Hello, gents. Episode 246. Oh, my, yeah, that's small groups. I usually play in small groups using Savage Worlds. Myself or my brother as the game master and two other friends that I got into gaming. When GMing for only one person, it is usually Star Wars Saga Edition. Huh. 
Huh. That is another one I had contemplated running at GameholeCon, actually. St- Saga? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. I really do enjoy GMing for one person as it allows me to give my undivided attention to that player. It feels as though we are playing a single-player RPG like KOTOR 2. So KOTOR is Knights of the Old Republic. It's a video game that does mimic quite a bit of the D20-ish feel, uh, which I actually ran for my friend. Idea for a new episode. Right, Brett's grabbing his pen. Tabletop Terrain. Interesting. I'm, I'm not sure if you gents have tackled this topic yet. Referring to maps, Dwarven Forge, 3D printing, Hearst Arts, and so on. I'm currently creating 3D terrain using Hearst Arts molds. Extremely slow process, but very stunning. Thank you, Peter. Huh, interesting. I, uh, we've talked about minis and some gear on the table, but not in detail. That's interesting. I like it. First Arts Molds. I'll put uh, that in the die roll. I I think I do know Hurst Molds. buddy of mine, I think, had bought some. If, if I'm not mistaken, are these the green? Could be. I think they're at, are they at GaryCon? Somebody's at GaryCon with molds. You, I think that, I don't know. I, I've seen a few different iterations of it, like the green molds, and you yep. pour the stuff mm-hmm. in it, and then you, I think you bake it, or maybe maybe room temp. They're awesome, but you're right. Yeah, a buddy of mine spent a butt ton of money on it, but man, I, I, I don't know. It's it's a time sink, right? It is. <clears throat> All stuff right, looks cool. It does. Looks very cool. Thank you, Peter, for writing in. I appreciate yes. it. And that's a good point on Stag- Staga, Star Wars Saga Edition. I've never played that, but that's uh, if that's working for you as a one-on-one, that's pretty cool. All right. Well, Sean is looking for a link. I will tackle Harrigan. Writes in about. Let's say, hey lads. The recent episode on inclusivity was great, as have been the episodes on meta currency, PC entrances, and gaming with con excitement. I think Brett is right on the money with his comments last week regarding striving for those highlight hell yeah moments in games, like the player rolling at 20 after a sorceress got thrown out the portal. I actually think several of the topics you've been discussing lately can be woven into wider conversation here. Modern game designs often use metacurrency, bennies, fate points, etc. to power those no way moments that fuel and fuel that metacurrency with an earning mechanic that often involves hindrances. Basically, suffer some difficult moments early in the game to save up for a to be a badass later. As you're both aware, there are lots of games already out there that have mechanics for this. Fate, Savage Worlds come immediately to mind. But there are other games closer to D&D like Shadows of the Demon Lord and different OSR games like that do the same thing. If you're not familiar with Barbarians of Lemuria, check it out sometimes. It's a great hero point rules. But Brett mentioned his players being stuck on Pathfinder. So how about just adding a few house rules to establish some boundaries and both allow the awesomeness and also prevent players from going too far? We really need to have Sean off record, Jeff. <laughs> Excuse me. We really need to have Sean record Jeff in one of his better moments, by the way. It's easy to add luck, hero points, or fate point mechanic in a Pathfinder. In fact, I'm sure it's already been done. Um, perhaps those uh, those tokens for those moments when characters really want to double down and do something cool. The other angle to consider is something Brett mentioned in passing in your last podcast, pushing or extra effort rules. These are often used in superhero games, but I think they're great for just about any type of heroic gaming. Want to make sure that incredibly awesome and technically illegal move? 
Sure, but now you're fatigued. Sure, but it costs five hit points. Sure, but you fall or you fail and put your buddies at disadvantage or your foes get an attack of opportunity. In lighter games, some of this doesn't need to be codified. But maybe with Brett's Pathfinder-loving power gamers, maybe spelling it out would help. That's my two cents, Harrigan. It has been done. I've My friends and I have used Harrigan. We have used um, Hero Points in the past with Pathfinder and other game systems. And sometimes they turn out to be quite a bit of fun. But, um, yeah, they with my group, it fades in and out of Vogue. And sometimes it, key, it, it creeps back in and then pops back out. But, no, you're dead right. There is a... I think one of the main themes for this entire podcast for the last four years has been, hey, if another game system has something really cool, Benny's, whatever you want to have, say I, you can co-op that and put it into your other game in some way, shape, or form if you like it. Because a lot of times it comes down to, look, you and your group are happy playing a certain game. You'd like to have a mod for it. No reason you can't do that. So thank you, Harrigan, for writing in. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, thanks, Harrigan. I'll, don't you worry. I'll get Jeff. I know it's, it's going to happen. I'm waiting it, for it. It will. It, it'll be like the intro to the show. Instead of regular music, like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna, we're going to hear that. That's what's going to That's got to hurt. Yeah, you need that's got to be a sound bite. <laughs> we need that as a sound bite. All right. Oh, over to you, sir. From Grotonymous about gaming in small groups. Hello, gents. For most of my gaming career, I have been in or have moderated for small groups. Currently, my Shadowrun group, which has been running for over five years now, is only three players and myself. My F20 group, which consists of my old college friends, is also a group of three players and myself. We play mostly D&D 5e and DCC. This group happens to be made up of longtime game moderators that keeps this group going simply because it is the only place we have to be players or test out new game material. I have found that smaller groups develop a tighter narrative. Strong, quick action is more common in play and a more intimate story about the player characters and game moderator moderator characters develops. I have run public games at the FLGS that have devolved into a slog simply because the group was too disparate and large. 8 to 14 players usually. Oof, that's big. With smaller groups, especially with games that have classes or character archetypes, inventive or more subtle play styles often take over simply because the group cannot kick indoors, guns blazing due to missing skill sets or abilities. Though this sometimes will happen if the option is appropriate, it just doesn't become the default game action for all situations. I have noticed that that smaller groups in modern future modern slash future style games such as Delta Green, Shadowrun, or Cyberpunk have a much easier time with splitting up than F20 games. I think this is due to the ability of characters to travel quickly in vehicles or as in Shadowrun slash Cyberpunk, the Matrix and Drones makes being in different physical locations not as much of a hindrance. I guess to sum up, I am a small group GM and I am okay with that. Game on, BSers. Autonomous. I'll tell you, man, I have, I've had 13 people, 13, 14 people in a vampire game crazy. back in the day. It's crazy. Well, that was basically a mini LARP is what it was, uh-huh. right? And when I look back at it, it was pretty much a LARP that ran every weekend forever, right? It was for like 15 years. We did this for a very long time. Um, but nowadays, um, eight people's 
stretching it for me, I'm kind of in the six or less is my preference. That's usually what we end up with at the game table, which makes things pretty pretty good. And I do agree, I think Rontonomous is correct. I I experience anyway a tighter narrative with that. And some of that also comes down into VC and I were chatting about this a little bit this weekend, not related to the topic coming up. But that when I only get together once a month with a group, having a smaller group of people is easier than it is a larger group of people in my experience. So cool. Good stuff. You ready, Sean? Yeah. All right. I'll take over from here. (laughs) Matt from House V comments on bringing con game excitement home. I can't believe some people don't like your show. (laughs) I must be talking about Mud Skipper. Mud Skipper. Anyway, I've listened to at least a dozen gaming podcasts, and yours is the only one I can stick with. Matt, thank you, man. That's very kind of you. He continues, even (laughs) if one of you is always wrong. Oh, I wish I could find another one because once a week doesn't really scratch my itch. You guys could, uh, could you guys up your game and stop slacking? (laughs) No, no, we can't. Once a week is about all we can muster. So I use rule of cool in a few instances. I've never actually been to a con, but I've done a lot of organized play in game stores, which is somewhat, which may be somewhat relevant for, for the first, uh, for the first it's for cinematics. Good God. I can't read today. For instance, if the boss is killed and there's still a number of mooks that are, that are an uninteresting encounter by themselves, I go around the table and let each player explain how they eliminate the remaining mooks. Or if there's just an appropriate but uninteresting encounter, no point in spending 20 minutes or more, depending on the system, on something that's not fast, furious, and fun. Also, I think it's let the players feel powerful. I didn't even have to try and rip that guy's arm off and beat him to death with it. <laughs> and work on their storytelling. It's really neat to see a newish or shy player after a campaign with me. They usually make some really good improvements in their storytelling. <clears throat> Next, I usually allow players to steal to steal the narrative. This allows them to add a story element. However, they must use a resource to do so. Benny's aspects, fade points, etc. They're having a fight on a crowded street and someone slams through a bus breaking in half and giving them some cover. Awesome. Find a shotgun with two shots in it. Cool. But if it gets extreme, usually my players will throw in a cost on their own without even being prompted. Hey, we back through the barrier, but it tears up my car and we have to bail out of it. That one happened last session, actually. The better, more creative a player can get, the better they, are, they can manipulate their world for advantage. It really adds to the story. Dude, now those pedestrians from the bus are between the two groups. Hey, meat shields, man. <laughs> Lastly, I allow them to do something outrageous. This one takes resources as well. Usually still require a role of some sort. It just doesn't happen. Uh, usually has to be semi-reasonable and makes sense for the fiction, however. Like, I don't think I'd allow it in a, in a Call of Cthulhu game. I actually have a perfect example from my game yesterday in Shadowrun Anarchy, modified, of course. My players are stealing an artifact. They're pretty hurt, and and all the players but one escape this ambush. There's no way he can escape with the amount of movement he can make. He's at one health. All his resource pools are zero. And there are several dudes left... <laughs> Um, and there are several dudes left, any one of which is likely to kill him next turn. So he runs up the side of the building, he has this as a power, kills a mage with one hit, crushes the other orc, saying he wishes to bash so hard down, so hard (laughs) through down he breaks the roof and falls through unconscious. I give him a plot point for the awesome plan, and he needs, he needs it as he's at zero, this is legal in the rules, and deserved in my opinion. And he goes on to roll seven or eight hits, I allow it to play out as he plans. 
let the other runners play a fixture they know and a, and uh, pay a fixture they know an absurd amount of money to pick up his body instead of finding him barely gasping for life. This is one of the highlights of the night, and everyone cheered. Well, Lissetia had many such great moments. It gave that awesome moment you spoke of. So are these rules of cool, or is it more of a narrative element? I don't know, as these terms are only loosely defined, but they all allow for bending the rules in some way, although some of these may already be cooked into that particular system. I find taking a cost, as you spoke of, to perform rule of cool is an interesting concept. The problem I have with most of what you mentioned is we're a very minor cost, at least in Pathfinder D&D. If you are altering mechanical physics, it should have a real cost, in my opinion. It may be cool to just put it in the game, although I guess probably Apocalypse already does that to a degree. Very interesting, though. I'd like to see more of it in games with some kind of scaling tier for really absurd actions. Cool stuff, man. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, Matt. Over to you. you. Hope your players appreciate that. Yeah. Forgiving GM uh, approach. Not just just forgiving GM, but the, the awesome fun there, right? True. That's just cool. I really like the way he implemented the uh, the torch bearing mechanics. That was really impressive. I, I've never heard that. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Roger from House Brasslet emails us about hindrances. Playing 2E skills and powers. There are disadvantages you can choose for more character points. Our party fighter chose compulsively honest. Oh, boy. In each sitting, we've had to somehow manipulate it so she's not around when we're stretching the truth to someone. It's like the A-team where B.A. was afraid of flying, but we don't have to, we don't have a way to knock her out. (laughs) My character is unlucky. I think this makes for great role playing. You're playing a hero, right? What makes for a better story than an unlucky hero? Last sitting, the DM used it to trip a wire trap. This sent a barred door down behind us, and we had nowhere to go but forward. What didn't what didn't give us any character points was my backstory. I chose to be an orphan raised at the local temple of Ogma. Well, an NPC we just found in the dungeon is also an orphan, who had a brother left at the temple of Ogma. Great role-playing opportunities without mechanical benefits. On the flip side, my Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 1E character rolled a physical trait of missing an eye. This does not give me any bonuses either and reduces my ballistic skill by half. What that means is I stick to hand-to-hand and I get a cool-looking character. I use Snake Pliskin as a representation. Call me Snake. (laughs) Snake Pliskin. Escape from New York, the movie, folks. These hindrances can be great, whether you get a mechanical benefit or not. Roger. Roger, I'll tell you, man, the, the, the examples you've got here are, are awesome because you've got a group of people that are playing to the hindrances and to the disadvantages. Yeah. I think when it comes into the suck factor for hindrances are when they are used for the min-max piece and they're not used for role-playing opportunities. They're not, even if there's no mechanical benefit to it, when they're not utilized in-game then what's the point? Right. So well, um, you should be happy, Roger. You've got a crew that does that. Man. Yeah, That's he's got stuff. a crew that embraces that stuff. Yeah, because there's groups out there that don't. That's right. <sighs> Thanks for bragging, Roger. No, that's a good group. You no, should brag kidding. about it. That's very cool. Yes. 
A lot of us wish we could play with your group, Roger. It's not as good as my group. It's still pretty good. Not kidding. My group better than <laughs> your, your group. group. <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's move on before we insult everybody. You ready? Oh god! Brett sprung this on me what an hour ago? Yeah, about that. Two so, hours ago. So VC and I were talking yesterday. Hanging out at the hotel lobby. That's good. You're talking to him, so I know what's going on. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. I like to <laughs> surprise it on you. It's better be good, VC. <laughs> and we're talking about those things that throw you off in a game. And we kind of narrowed it down to, like, there are certain pieces that... Players. Players. Players, players throw, throw, me, <laughs> throw me throw my game off. We're for the damn players. This thing would be great. The suspension of disbelief, right? There is a wonky thing that will happen. So... For example, I used it on my side. I was talking to VC. I said, hey, my buddy Zave, we're playing. And the fact that in 5e D&D, you can hold your breath and act underwater for an absurd amount of time. He's like, that's just not realistic. Oh, boy. And I look at him. I go, Dave, dragons, magic, undead, planar travel. Why are you worried about heroic underwater fighting? And he's like, yeah, that's a good point. There's just something about it that irks me. And VC said, you know, he said, I have a thing. He said, sometimes like the dragon lands. I'm like, he looks at the dragon and goes, that can't exist. That's just, it's too, that doesn't make sense. The concept of a huge ancient red dragon, it's physical size. He's like, I don't think it could even walk. (laughs) He's like, there's a piece of me when that happens. Because what? I don't, what? It kind of shakes you out of the narrative, shakes you out of the the immersion or whatever the heck you want to call it. And we we got to laughing about it. And I said, it's funny because I have encountered that thing in a lot of games. And I think that those suspension of disbelief moments where I hang it up on the wall and say, here, I'm going to put it right here. When it falls off, the hook breaks, whatever I'm using to suspend my disbelief. I'm like, wait a minute, that's too much. It's that moment in the movie where you're like, hey, that doesn't feel right. I don't know if I like that. And I think... I was thinking about my drive back this morning from Chicago was I think that's part of the thing that I hunt for in my game system, Sean. I want to read through it. I want to play a game where the perfect game, if you will, doesn't have I go through and go, ah, yes, I don't feel my I've suspended my disbelief and nothing in this game system has caused me to say that doesn't work or that doesn't fit or that's not real or that's weird. Have you ever had that? Like, you're an army guy. You ever play a modern game and somebody in the system says something? You're like, that's not how those trucks work. Have you ever had that? Where you're like, ah, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean. Not even army guy stuff. Kind of, yeah. Well. It's just that that piece where you're like, this is all cool. This is great. What? (laughs) It's like this, this discordant note. Yeah, and somebody had actually written in about this component and it was something to the effect of, and I wish I knew and I apologize if, if it's, you know, I can't remember who it was, but it was the effect of, hmm, it was the playing, setting, putting your mind in a particular place and gosh, darn it, man. Well, it's kind of like, I, it's like immersion. We've talked about immersion to point. I know we can argue semantics around it, but it's that like, I'm in the, I'm in the zone. I'm in the game. 
and you hear something, it's like, bank. What was that noise? What was that? It's like this weird sound in the opera, right? It makes no sense. It's this discordant thing that throws you out. Well, and I get it, and it does happen. I just don't know why. Do Have you had it happen to you? Do you have as an a, example? As a player? As a player or even a game master. Usually like, it's falling. falling. Oh, falling damage? Falling damage is ridiculous. Oh, that is a good one. I remember, I mean. I fell off a 100-foot cliff and brushed myself off. I took, you know, whatever, uh, 40 points of damage. Steve Jackson Games used to have, and I, I still have the collection of Murphy's Rules that he put out in softcover ages ago. And there was a, like a first edition AD&D fighter could survive a fall from like 600 feet. On average, your average, you know, 10th level fighter or something could survive because it's D6 damage for every 10 feet you fall. That sounds drastic and terrible until you're at like 10th level. You're like, what the fuck ever? I'll fall 100 feet. I'll just get up, brush that off, and walk. But so it was, falling, falling damage it, is one. Wasn't it cumulative though? Or I don't it, know. I think it was supposed to be cumulative, but I don't think it was written as such. Well, regardless, falling damage is an example of that, right? So, yeah. like, holding your breath underwater, like, wait a minute, you can hold your breath for like a Five minutes? Are you kidding me? Who can hold their breath for five minutes and fight a crocodile? Really? Falling damage is another one. That that's that has struck me in the past, too, where you fall 200 feet and somehow you roll the D6s and you're like, oh, you, you took 20 points of damage. Like, oh, oh, shit. I had 80 hit points. I'm okay. <laughs> like, what do you mean you're okay? You fell 200 feet. Well, that's the trade-off, though, is because if you wanted to play realistic D and D, you'd be dead as soon as you walked out your door. Oh yeah, everyone would have some very serious social and mental issues. I think to well, want to, you know what's in that hole? Cobalts. Ah, well, yeah, they stab you, right? There's, you think they got treasure? I don't know. I just want to cut their heads off. Uh, oh, okay, Billy. <laughs> in you go. They're <laughs> interest a little crazy. And they're also t- they also tend to be a little socially crazy. Well, and I know that hit points. We've had this argument before that it's an abstraction of combat. Yeah. And I just think it's interesting where you can play D anD D, for example, or Shadowrun or whatever, and you have a world, you have the setting, and everything's working just fine. And you encounter one piece of the rule system that just is this discordant note that strikes you so strangely. Like I am jarred out of the game right now and I'm questioning the rule to a point where I'm like this doesn't make sense what? falling what? damage but being why? yeah but why doesn't it make sense yeah why does that one thing as I said wait a minute wait a minute so falling 200 feet and surviving doesn't make sense to Sean and Brett but dragons magic vampires werewolves that's all I, I buy that oh, I buy that I buy that all day long I love that shit ah oh, but I but if the werewolf falls 200 feet, I want him dead. <laughs> it's like these odd. It's goofy, but I, I have I've noted this talking to to different people over the years. Well, they'll say, "I love this game, whatever," but I don't like this mechanic. And sometimes it comes down to like this one mechanic within the game system. They feel, or I have felt in the past, is unrealistic or just doesn't seem to fit. And when we talked about, I. Th- thought about this and when you if you take it to rules like that it reminded me of our grappling right those rules you don't use <clears throat> so grappling in D always seemed like that like mini game within a game 
It just doesn't, it seems discordant because it doesn't flow the way regular combat flows. It's a lot better now. Oh, yeah, a lot better now. But even if you take, like, just the rules out of it, there are certain physical things that just, you know, tweak your mind, which is where some people like the Barrier Peaks, right? Spoilers, there's robots and laser guns. Um, (sighs) So if you run into, some people don't like certain settings to have a jarring aspect to it. When you're like, well, you're in a huge cosmos or whatever. How come I couldn't have my D and D folks encounter gray aliens with laser guns? You, you can, but, but I think you got to lay those tracks. You got to dude. I, uh, the first time I went through, but what I'm, what I'm saying is that would, that takes you out, right? Yeah. You go clink. Oh, wait a minute. This isn't what I expected. And sometimes we have things that are personal, like the size of a dragon, the fact that you shouldn't be able to hold your breath for that long, or bits of real reality that creep in, basically, in our personal players' brains that look at a rule and say, that doesn't make any sense. Yep. <laughs> yep. And there's tons of them. Yeah. It, it's goofy that some of That's them- That's why you play GURPS. Yeah, everything is as simulationist as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's if you want. I mean, that's that's the trade off, though. You gotta be open to putting your head in a bag of holding and uh, to see what <laughs> see what's in there. I don't know. Have it all dump on your head when you get in there. I don't know. It's a it's a conundrum. It happens. I think it also happens when people are trying to leverage something crazy. Like, hey, I took this feat and it allows me to hold my breath for like 10 minutes. Like, let oh. me see that. What? Oh, Give me that shit. damn thing. Read, read, read. Son of a bitch. It does all stack this up. This crazy could... shit should be outlawed. Yeah. But it's not. But That's it's why there. I tell people like, you, you know, back in the day when it was D20 bloat, I mean, Jeff used to pull that crap. This is the Jeff show again. The Jeff used to pull out the, you know, uh, ultra mega, ultra paladin, complete paladin or something ridiculous. Not even second edition, just some ridiculous third party paladin alternatives. And it would have all kinds of strange things and archetypes in there that just was like, he would try to come. I mean, some of them were okay. Some of them were well balanced and some were off the hook and he wanted the off the hook shit because it would fit his you know it, he then he could be a jedi yeah in D. <laughs> i could be a dnd he, he could be a dnd jedi i could be wolverine if i do this that's right yeah you could get like claws that come out of your you know arms your, pl- your plate mail or something this is great yeah yeah so when you encounter that as a player sean does it like throw you out and you're like oh uh, I I just I'm I don't like this game, or you feel like you got a bail on it or anything. Does it as a player? Yeah, as a player, when you hit that, you just go, "What God, that's weird," and then just roll past it. I guess what do you do when you hit that? Because sometimes, quite frankly, it could be pretty jarring. And if you don't, I have seen a game table <laughs> stop for like a half hour. Yeah, 
Well, somebody will look up like how long could anyone actually really hold their breath? Hang on, let me let, let me check that out. Oh wait, you know, wait, I don't think you could do the plus fighting plus plus. You know, well, what what the laws of gravity, gravity, and you know, the re- reverse parallel dynamics of you know what the fuck ever. And I've seen that stuff like stop a table, and I'm wondering what do you when you encounter it, how do you get over it? Usually I end up throwing up my hands and going, whatever the hell they're talking about. You know, that I usually will complain, mumble, grumble, go on a tirade about how dumb it is. And then just let it go. We move forward. (laughs) I mean, you can't, you can't say, Hey, I mean, I guess you can, you, I mean, you could do whatever the hell you want in your game, but there is some, part of me that's like well you know these are the rules so in 5e you can let your players play you know take all the source books and use Uh anything in them the rules for like al play and typical i think i have to double check and see where it's written but typically you're only supposed to use one other splat book yeah okay Right? Limit things down. Yep, and it limits everything else. <clears throat> so instead of somebody going, well, I'm going to take a little of this and a little of that, and then I'm going to hold my breath for 20 minutes, that stuff I think is supposed to curb that a little bit. So that makes sense. I mean, one way to stop the jarring effect of that cognitive dissonance, that suspension of disbelief snapping on you. Just make a rule. Yeah. You can't make that. You can't. You can't. No. No. You can't no. choose that feet. No, that's not happening. That no. feet doesn't exist. Nope. 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 Hold breath for three days. No, you cannot. Suck it. <laughs> Not going to happen. Can, you can control. We've talked about this in the past, too. You can control the splat books. You can tr- control how people spread out into different things. In my Pathfinder group, I limit the number of uh, books they're allowed to use. The Ultimates, I'm like, no, don't do not do that. That's too much crap. I don't want to deal with it. Unless so- that's the game you want to run. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just saying that it's funny. to Not funny, but. When VC and I were talking about it, we said it's like every once in a while you encounter something. And I have found, and again, on my drive back today, I was thinking about this, that there are certain certain things I'll do or run into sometimes. If that rears its head too much, then we're like, this game system sucks. <laughs> right? I've heard that myself say those things. Like, oh, man, I've tried this, tried this. I just don't, whatever. This game system it won't let me do something or it just seems unrealistic or whatever. And I think sometimes it's not that the game system sucks. It's that the, <laughs> the suspension of disbelief, cognitive dissonance problem is what's driving me bananas on it. And I, th- <laughs> and I think sometimes certain ways, rules or settings or whatever it is are presented are easier to grok than others. Or you're like, okay, no, I buy that. And sometimes you're like, huh, the breathing underwater thing is weird. We're not playing Sea, you know, Sea King's Malice, so I think it's okay because we haven't been underwater any more than once in the last five years worth of adventuring. So, all right, let's just let's just move on past this one, right? Well, and what if you have this weird thing that is granted to you, whether it's maybe this like <clears throat> magical stick, and if you bite on the stick and you go underwater, it allows you to breathe through. Well, this goes, yeah, and this goes into what we were just talking about above with some of our listener feedback, you know, with with hindrances or people playing well and, you know, doing crazy cool things, trying to bring that con thing, the con game down, allowing some of that stuff to to push 
the reality a little bit or to, to even push the the physics of whatever the game engine happens to be through really kick-ass play. Normally, you only get two attacks, but because you spent five bennies, you get 16 attacks. I'm making that up, right? Or you spend this point or this thing, you get to do extra stuff. And we all buy that. I just, I think it's interesting, and I don't, and maybe this is, a, not esoteric is the wrong word, but it's interesting to me how this will creep into a game and it will, I've seen it stop gameplay, right? Where even if the game is like, look, can we just make a ruling and move past it? The players will get caught up in the suspension of disbelief argument. And what I've started to do when I see that happen is I'm like, it really, it's a, it's a fantasy world. It's just the way the rule is. Let's move on. I just think it's unrealistic. You can think it's unrealistic all day long. We're just going to have to move past this thing because this is the way it works. Because I don't have a better rule for it. If I can find a better, you know, swimming through lava rule, I'll find a better swimming through lava rule, but that's just what it is. You know, there's other pieces where like, oh, lava does X amount of damage. Well, (laughs) if you've ever seen lava burn shit, you can't get very close to it, right? I mean, it will kill you, the gases and other things and so on, but it's D&D and you can... You could handle getting hit by a river of lava, potentially, (laughs) and crawl out of it and have somebody lay hands on you and you'll be fine. And we suspend our disbelief, as I say, all all sorts of different times, but every once in a while, something will hit. And I think as we talk about, you know, what to take to be a good player or a good game master, I think one of the things we can do as a crew at the table is when we encounter such a, that dissonance, that thing that just hits that discordant note, we'd say, huh, that's fucked up. But when Sean catches Brett trying to go, yeah, but you really can't f- take a fall that far. I mean, terminal velocity is, and then Sean should just say, you know what, Brett, just stop. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. It's a game. Let's go. And I think we should be able to help each other out the table to get over <laughs> where, this, where the disbelief falls down. It comes crashing around that person's ankles. Just pick him up out of the pit or whatever it is and help him keep moving. Because I, I think it happens. I think that is sometimes where... It might well be the the root cause, although it may not be identified as such, as some of the rules arguments I've encountered over the years. Where somebody wants to argue the fact that that doesn't make sense. Um, and it usually comes down to they don't, they can't disbelieve enough <laughs> to, to allow that thing to occur. Are you getting any of that in your, in your uh, tomb game? Not yet. Not yet? No, I think it's been relatively been relatively calm I think in that regard I don't I don't anticipate too much of that I'm trying to think of Jeff pulling some shenanigans and he's been pretty pretty decent so far I think okay um most of the times it's usually like an an action economy thing where it's like you just can't do all that crap man you know, that's a good one, too, is because, I mean, you look at an action economy, you say, okay, can I drink a potion and swing my sword? You're like, I think so. And you look it up, you're like, no, actually, that's a full round to drink a potion. You're like, well, why is it a full round to drink a potion? That doesn't make any sense. I could do this, 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 and this, but that's a full round. And then someone will say, well, you have to dig, where's the potion? It's like in your hand. You have to dig it out of your backpack. You have to, and then people will get into these. The nuances. The nuances of the yeah. physics to justify the rule when the fact is it's just a rule. Move on. You well, can't do it. And Stop. some of the and some of that is a good point, man. It's like I'm I'm down to one hit point. I pull out a potion and I drink it. 
And it's like, where in the, f- have you ever had a fucking duffel bag and try to go through a duffel bag to find something sometimes? Have I ever told you about the, the first Gen Con I ever went to, I went to a seminar and they had an, it was an equip, it was a character equipment thing. They had tables full of medieval stuff, gear, yeah. bags, swords and stuff. Sweet. And we listed out everything a first level adventurer wanted to carry with them. Flower, marbles. Yes, we torches. P- yes, we picked this. We picked this young girl, um, and she walks up, and she's she's picked out of the audience, and she's and they loaded her with all this shit, put the full helm on her, a great sword, the whole well, stuff. And the well, guy said, "Find your mirror." <laughs> Medusa's around the corner. Dig out your mirror. You've got one round. She's like, "Ah, uh, <laughs> where'd you put the soap? I don't know. Where's the rope? I don't know where the rope is." <laughs> yeah but i mean never mind encumbrance yeah exactly shit i didn't think she could carry all that stuff because she looked fairly sli- slightly built but she was she would she stood up to the weight of all the crap that was put on her but it's still you, you know, find your mirror right but the this is where you know granted i don't i'll break the rules or you know, balance, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes down to like action economy, trying to make sure that there's some order to it, part of that core mechanic is the action economy component. And like, look, the movement rules are X. This is this that allows, especially if you're playing a tactical game on a grid, you need to know what those are. Well, that doesn't make any sense. How come I can't just hop around this corner? I'm sorry, it, you don't have it. Yeah, but the way you drew it, it's only two feet and there's no reason I shouldn't be able to. No, you can't. You cannot do that. If you're playing on a grid, your miniature is in the center of the square. Well, I'll hug the back corner of this five foot. No, you're you occupy the five foot square. Yeah, but if I'm back here, the fireball. No, fuck you. You're in the <laughs> you're, you occupy the entire five foot square, dick. And the fireball hits you. Fine, fine, fine. Yeah, it's funny when you get into those discussions, right? It's yeah, convenient. It, it, it's convenient sometimes. Yeah, and it's a, it's a <laughs> suspension of disbelief thing. We're like, well, that doesn't make any sense, and the argument breaks to that. Well, then it goes to like, well, a fireball is coming at me. I get to hide in the back of the five-foot square. But when I want to reach around a corner, then I'm at the front of the five-foot square. Wait a minute, asshole. You can't have both ways. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I love about so, – What's I love you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and Joe and those guys. No, but it is usually sometimes – that's the thing I get into. Like, uh, it doesn't get my blood boiling, but it's kind of like, hey – Wait a minute there, hot rod. You know, yeah. you're you're gonna tell me this time that it's gonna work for you this way, but when it's down the road, or I turn the tables. Well, wait a minute. No, oh, he's he's hugging honest. a back he's he's hugging a back corner of a five foot square, he's safe. <laughs> what? No, uh, I'll tell you now the other piece, let me draw it over here for a second. So one of the things that when VC and I were talking about it, it was when he mentioned like dragons, just the size and the the craziness and sanity of it. Does he watch Game of Thrones? No, not well. Maybe he does. I don't know. I didn't ask no. him about that. Well, they they work. Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, they have dragons. I saw duh. them on the show. Yeah, and they walk around a little bit. But there are certain components of a of a of a game world or setting or whatever that even if you have magic in whatever, which is one of the wonderful things that old school D and D used to do. We I was playing with my kids, and Alana had a power. And her Ozra character had something, and it was she could not be she could only fail if like thwarted by magical means. So she missed something. She forgot. She goes, "Dad, can I check?" I said, "I said magical means. Sorry, too bad. Magical means." So that's the that's the in joke between my ah. kids and I. Oh, I failed that magical means. Sorry, magical means. And that was <laughs> the reason why you would have these crazy ass 
towers or weird edifices in the middle of the jungle that should never they should have fell down sank in the swamp ages ago or this weird how come you know the great wizard's tower is goes up you know 50 feet makes a right angle and another right angle that doesn't make any how could it well it's magic oh okay i'll buy that and i i think there are i think in certain worlds magic is very easy yes magic does that like, okay, yeah, all right, magic does that. But you need some, to your earlier point, like around laser guns and stuff, the continuity of the world, if you begin to introduce, like, look, crazy creatures that have, like, giant spiders or giant ants, you can't... I remember watching a TV show on this once as a, a, a ages back where if they just took an ant and scaled it up, it couldn't walk. It's not possible. It would have to change its musculature and everything else. It would have to have a different structure in order to stand. Anyway, point is, is that if you introduce a thing and say, look, a boule, an owlbear, blah, 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 magic runs through the world. There are crazy things out there because they tap into that or the magical field kind of, it's almost like a, like a Godzilla thing with its like radiation. It feeds off of that. And that's how you get dragons, right? They shouldn't exist. And that's fine. But it's because of the high magical field of the world or the the way the world functions and so forth. If you have that, like, oh, okay, yeah, I buy that. And then when you switch over to a uh, modern game, and I have this, I get it, I get this a lot, honestly, with sci-fi games. I was running um running kind of a dystopian sci-fi future, when you imagine that some sort of grim dark game I was running. And Kevin asked me one, he asked me. Don't they have all of these fingerprints or whatever on in a data file because they're trying to solve a crime? You know, why don't they have like an inter, like a global database? This is the future. Why wouldn't they have that? And I said, well, they don't because I stretch the concept of rights for privacy. People didn't want that. It was a huge rigmarole. It's been they've been trying to get it through the different congressional type of thing. It's just not working. He's like, yeah, I just don't know if I buy that. And I'm like, I don't really don't <laughs> fucking care if you buy that. But this is just what well, you said. It's a totalitarian government. Wouldn't they just make a rule? And why are people arguing? Like, oh my god, we're gonna have it. And we both went, oh, hang on a second, we're taking this way too far. We stopped and kept gaming. And he said, okay, that's just a conceit to the world. I got it. But I, I think some sometimes, even if there's no rule for it, there's certain pieces in a setting, especially aspects of it, be it creatures the way the system is built, the system being the government or whatever, just can hit you with this weird cord. And you're like, I don't, I don't buy that. It can, well, wreck the, it can wreck the game. That's the thing about running sci-fi is how much is, how forward and advanced are things. And if they're- How hard uh, sci-fi are you playing? Well, right. And how accessible are things, you know, I mean, even Star Wars, people get into to the, well, what is available on the Holonet? So space Google, you mean space, <laughs> space Google, space but I mean, Google. even like Android or cyberpunk games, de- you know, depending on what you're doing, you know, how, you know, if you are trying as a game master. So if I say, well, I'm just going to go on the net and look them up. What does that entail? And you don't want them to, or it's not easily accessible. How do you justify as a game master? Why that person can't just do that? Well, it's behind firewalls and it's confidential. That's okay. I got a, I got a Decker right here. Oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, you can't find them because, okay, go ahead. 
make some checks, get the really good. You don't have them listed. So as a game component or as a part of the story, that could be that could be the part, right? That, Correct. It's that person, right? That's the difference. And I think as game masters, you have to be specific. Like you can find people, you can look them up. You have not been able to find this person. Oh, is that strange? Oh, yes, that's that different. is that oh, is okay. different. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. that's a good point. And I've done. I used to do that a lot in my White Wolf days. Well, how come this isn't working? It normally, yes, you are correct. It would normally work. In right. this instance, it's not for some reason. Got oh. it. Okay. Notes, 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 notes. Motherfucker, find this out. And I, I think some of those pieces with the world, when someone asks you a question, this is where, as game masters, you know, your new GM gets that question. Well, how's a dragon even fly? You're like, look, they just fucking fly. Okay. You know, new person. They can, this is where some of the intimidation comes in, right? Somebody says, hey, how come? You say, well, it just doesn't work that way. The way the government is designed, they've just not allowed that. And I think as players, if you want to argue those points and the game master's like, look, I haven't thought about every little fucking nuance of this world and how come all mouse farts aren't ca- are, you know, categorized on the hollow net. It's just too bad. It's just not there. Um, I think as players, we should say, oh, okay, help the game master out. So basically a conceit of the setting is... This isn't there due to social pressure. The government's trying to do X. They're not able to yet because they can't get it through the Senate. Got it. Moving on. Oh, you can't find them on the Holonet or Space Google because it's a very specific reason. Normally, we could find, you know, Joe Schmo, Billy Bob, Sean, and Brett. That's fine. But I can't find Phil or Senda because they're off, locked off here. Ah, that's why we have to go find those guys because it's special. There's something about that setting or whatever it is. I think that helps when I have done that in the past. That's a very good point, Sean. When I've done that in the past, the the weird disbelief where you're breaking, where the player feels like the logic of the world is broken, the, the suspension of disbelief starts to sag. You go, nope, it's special. Then it goes right back where it belongs. That makes that makes sense. I like that. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, totally. That is what you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> I, have my mom- I have my moment. You do. I like it. Yeah. So I guess, um, do, 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 what else was I going to say about this? I had a, another thought and I lost it for a second there. But in, um, a, nut- in a nutshell, that's mm-hmm. why we play these games is because we don't want to play Sean the Recruiter game. Yeah, God, that game sucks. We don't want to play Brett. <laughs> we don't want to play Brett, guy. the no. director, no. IT guy. You just be sitting with your head in your hands at your because desk. Because that, that shit makes too much goddamn sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's very true. You just be sitting at your desk with your head in your hands thinking, why? Wait a minute. Why am I here? What are you going to play, Sean? I was thinking uh, director of IT. Um, that or maybe HR generalist or accountant. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Third shift. Taco Bell. <laughs> no. No. You don't want. To, why are you doing that to yourself? I guess if nothing else, I think it's interesting. And sometimes, my parting comment on it all is that when the suspension of disbelief hits, be it because of a rule, you can say, "Look, that's just the rule. Let's move on." You know, we need this action economy. We need whatever. You can just go with it. When the disbelief hits you when it's a setting piece or a a world logic or anything along those lines. Players and Game Master together on the spot can work together to solve that problem, right? 
So when I say, hey, I want to find them on the Holonet, Sean's like, um, you can't. I should say, and Sean should say, or excuse me, I, Kevin, and Jimmy should say, wait a minute. Okay, hang a second. So we can normally find anybody we want to, right? Yes, said Sean. Okay, but this guy is gone for some reason. So, Sean, that means this is being hidden or blocked in some weird way we can't figure out yet, right? And then the answer is yes. And that's just us on the spot sorting through this weird little disbelief bubble that we've got to bust so we can keep on with the game. I think anything you can do like that to stop the session from coming to a crawl while people look up how long somebody can hold their breath and swing a sword underwater rules, don't get past that. Or that doesn't make sense. Terminal velocity from falling from an airplane is, well, this is a halo jump. I don't think you can even handle that. Don't. Work with each other at the table, get past the thing, or just accept it. If it's a rule thing, like, oh, all right, that's just the rule, I guess, for doing that. Off we go and move on. You could be better for it. I want to know what drives you absolutely bonkers about a rule or something in a game, a role playing game, like that's happened to you. Yeah, setting physics, a rule, yeah, um, a creature, feet, a feat, anything that's like this is so, it's like so unrealistic. It's, it just grinds your brain. You lock up all four tires. You just stare at it. And go, what the fuck is that? Yeah, tell us what that is. Yeah, that's beat that. that <laughs> that's I want to hear it. That's what we want to know. I do. All right, let's get into die roll. Let's do it. All right, so I have a link in the show notes for Hearst Arts Fantasy Architecture, um, terrain dungeon and stone terrain. You guys can check that out. I want to uh, do a quick. Oh, let me do a quick shout out. I was at VC took me to an awesome game shop called Games Plus near Chicago. We got a link in the show notes to their website. Uh, Floyd, one of the owners, I actually know him because he knows my buddy. Um, uh, Mike Sigmund from Albion Source. But anyway, Games Plus is a great shop. Super friendly staff. Very helpful. Tons of good stuff. Well organized. Clean. I had a lot of fun there. Good size game room. They ended up with some of my money. So Did you, what'd you buy? What'd you buy? I bought a copy of the Prince Valiant role-playing game. Hardcover. I always wanted one because I wanted to take a look at it. I have um, Pendragon. This is another Greg Stafford game I wanted to check out. I'm like, oh, I wanted to buy it. I'm seeing it here. Fuck it. I'm going to grab it. And then there was a... Um, so you literally just bought Pendragon? No, I've had Pendragon for oh. a while. I didn't realize, though, I did see there's a newer version of Pendragon versus the one I have. Like, oh, I almost almost bought that as well. And I almost bought Over the Edge. Almost, almost. <laughs> like, no, wait. I had to watch myself. I did pick up a, um, a Call of Cthulhu-style um, GM screen. I need one. It's red and black, and it's system agnostic. It's oh. just really cool. It was really, really cool. I posted uh, some pictures of the outside and inside up on Twitter. It was really sweet. But anyway, Games Plus, if you're in that area, check them out. They were really, really cool. What else yeah. you got, Sean? Uh, I want to thank Steve at Hogtown Games for the Dice Roll Zine. So we brought, I think we've brought this up way back in the day uh, when I saw it on Twitter. But he sent us a couple copies of the latest. Um, very impressive work, Steve. Thank you so much for sending them all the way from Canada, thank you. Very nice. Um, the next one is winners of the D and D Adobe contest. Winners contest. That's redundant, but Adobe with D and D had a contest. I think to design your own creature using Photoshop, if I'm not mistaken. So 
they finally had submissions and then they picked the winner and then the honorable mentions. So holy shit. If you don't recall this contest, just check out the article. Um, Go to the link in the show notes. Look at the art. Holy. Yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. And then the last one uh, is Paizo update uh, on EN world pathfinder 2e core and beast and bestiary in regular and deluxe editions. Um, outlined on EN World. So I still can't believe I'm seeing the playtest books, oh, like the full leather and stuff. People are buying those. People are paying like $50 for a playtest version of that game. Brett, have, wow. I ever, have I ever told you about the game called, what's it called? Sign? No. What is that? What is the card game that we played at GameholeCon? Oh, um, Mind the Mind. Mind the Mind. Did, do you want me to bring up what the mind is again and no, how? No, because I, I, and it how makes people, me angry when I think about and, playing that game with somebody. And how if you, like, my, so the moral of the story is if you produce it, somebody will buy it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Alex talked about that even with Game Hole. like, hey, someone said, hey, you, I would pay for this level of badge. I, okay, I guess if you really want to, I can make sure you get the extra benefits for it, but... The badge will be fairly expensive because of all the benefits that come with it. No, we're up. Take my money. Like, all right, I guess. If you want, we can produce the thing. I'll take your money so we can make the thing happen. Fair yeah. point. Fair point. Yeah. So there you go. But cool. anyways, that's that's it for the show this week, uh, ladies and gents. What yeah, do I'm, not, we... I'm not sure about next week, Sean. We'll have to. We got to record this, the encounter, damn it. Yeah. Well, you haven't. So here's oh, the deal. Jesus. All right. This was on you. Why don't we, do we want to establish we can create each other an encounter? Let's we, just, should we establish the ground rules? We can next esta- episode. Okay, we can establish the ground rules on the next episode. Yeah, we can say this is what we're going to do. Yep. It'll be this system, this, 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 this. That's fine. We'll do now, that. Now, that may be a quick conversation. It may well be a quick conversation, but we'll see that's, what happens. That's why we need random encounters. Exactly, to bulk us up, bulk up the show. No, if, if nothing else, if that turns into a, a, um, a small piece... Anyway, I got an idea. All right. Yeah, we'll start with that, and we'll take it from there. So what we're talking about is that Brett is going to run an encounter, and then I'm going to run an encounter. And we're going to record it. We'll put it out there. Correct. But are we going to run the same encounter? Well, I guess we'll talk about it next time. We'll talk about it. All right. Sweet. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for spreading the word. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe to us. That is really awesome, and that would be great. And then you don't have to go and download us um, one by one. So do that. That's all I have to say. Awesome. Well, let's get out of here, man. Okay. I'm, uh, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming ABS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Andy Hall, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Roger Braslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Angus, Howard Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, Trevor Davis, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goat, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, 
Chad Gleiman, Fanolf, Mirko Froelich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, and Jeff Seifert. For ways to support the show, head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.